0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you. Already getting a lot of text about this next uh, subject, so I think there's a lot of interest in the story. And it's been going on for some time. But the latest uh, news last week, as the National Post reports, the United Church's Toronto Conference, their sub-executive members, announced Thursday that they have asked the church's general counsel the most senior governance body, to hold a formal hearing to decide whether Reverend Greta Vosper should be placed on the disciplinary discontinued service list, essentially a step closer to being booted. Uh, Greta Vosper is uh, a minister within the United Church, oversees the congregation at West Hill United Church in Toronto, but at the heart of this controversy are, are the beliefs, or perhaps more accurately, the lack of belief. Greta Vosper is an atheist, and so it seems like an obvious contradiction to have an atheist as a minister in a Christian church. Was it that unreasonable that the United Church would want to part ways with Ms. Vosper? Well, joining us uh, for her side of all of this is the aforementioned Greta Vosper. Uh, Greta, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Hi there, Rob. Uh, All right, so what's your understanding, first of all, of of where things stand and, and what happens next?
1: I think you've uh, you've depicted that pretty accurately. The Toronto Conference sub-executive received a report from a committee that reviewed me at the end of June, and that report uh, identified me as unsuitable for ministry. Given that uh, designation, the sub-executive had to decide what to do with some recommendations that had come out of that, and one of them was that there be a formal hearing to place my name on the discontinued service list. So that's... Uh, we... Uh, met with them and responded to the report, and uh, that didn't affect much, and so they went forward with the recommendations.
0: Okay, and what, what does being on that list mean?
1: I mean, it's, a, it's the same thing as which is colloquially known as defrocking. I see. So it's, it removes me from the right to be a minister within the United Church of Canada and to identify myself as a United Church minister.
0: How, how long have you been a United Church minister?
1: I've been a United Church minister since 1992, um, when I was serving a congregation in Toronto. I was actually ordained uh, in 1993, and I've been with the congregation I currently serve. Uh, It will be 20 years in February.
0: How long have you been an atheist?
1: Uh, Most of that time, Um, although I, uh, like many of my colleagues and many people in mainline denominations who have been trained in a critical scholarship around Christianity, um, we often identify as non-theists or post-theists or in my second book I identified as a theological non-realist. Um, some people identify as pan which means they don't believe that God is an actual being, um, but that it is some something that sort of the whole universe is God and beyond the universe is God. And, you know, it's a very, you know, very obscure understanding of God, and, and many people in the United Church identify as penentheists. So, yeah, I haven't had a belief in the kind of God that most people that you'd run into in the, in the store, in a grocery store lineup, if you said, you know, I believe in... Sorry, I just got a click. Um, okay. If you said that, they would, they would think that you were talking about a supernatural being.
0: Okay, so do you, do you refer to yourself as an atheist?
1: Uh, I started referring to myself as an atheist in 2013. Um, The United Church had known that I didn't believe in that kind of God since 2001. Clearly 2004, 2005, there were articles in the National Magazine about uh, the fact that I didn't believe in that kind of God. Um, We had started uh, the process of taking language about God out of our church in 2003, really started doing that work intentionally. Um, The purpose being that many people want to be in community, want to connect with others, want to, you know, be supported in their attempts to live a meaningful and rich life according to values that they adhere to. But they don't want the dogmatic belief. They don't want the language. They don't want to have to pretend they believe that the Bible is the Word of God. They don't want to have to translate everything that they hear they just want to be together and work toward being good people. So we recognized that and started taking that language out of our services. You wouldn't have to have been an atheist to do that. You could be someone who totally believes in God and do that. Um, and we have people at West Hill who are traditional believers, and we have people who would identify as panentheists and you know, non-theists and post-theists and all kinds of things, and atheists. Um, But the point is that what we offer is a community that really talks about what's underlying all of those, all of the sort of great faith traditions and all of the humanistic uh, traditions and philosophies. And that's, you know, seeking to live well and to live in right relationship with yourself and other people and the planet. And that's really what we talk about. And you can come in and sit down and believe in God and you would hear me talking about God all the time, right? Even though I never use the word and I don't refer to the Bible and I don't use stories about Jesus, but you would still hear me compelling you to act in accordance with what would be understood as a loving God who wanted you to live a compassionate and loving life.
0: And what is that that God?
1: Well is I think are you using really. it as a
0: metaphor? But I mean what, what, what well you're alluding I mean, to something when you speak and what what is it you're alluding to?
1: Well see there's the thing. Like I don't know. So if I use the word God, I don't know how you, what you believe when I use that word. So I don't want to use that word because I don't want you, I don't want your suppositions to be laid on top of what I'm saying. So when I did use the word God, I was talking about what we create between us when we live in right relationship with one another. So we can and we do we create a power between us um, when we are in relationship with anyone. We can create a very positive power of respect, you know, honoring the other person's dignity. Um, being compassionate and loving towards them or we can create a very different power by using them by not respecting them But denying them their rights by considering them, you know lesser than we are and both of those powers that are created between us either of them Helps create the way that we live so we can live a better life if we you know imbue that power in all the relationships around us or we can create a pretty miserable life by doing the opposite okay. so that's what I talked about as God was that you know that's what brings us comfort is what we have sown in the world in terms of those relationships with people and with things and you know with ideas when we when we treat everything as a as something that is sacred and beautiful we live more fully if we treat everything as a stumbling block or something that is that is bad then we, um, then we actually, you know, turn the world down.
0: Okay. Well, and, and look, I mean, for even me as an atheist, I'm, I'm not sure that that I'd, I'd see it the same way. But I, I mean, who decides though what the United Church is and believes and, and stands for?
1: Who decides what the United Church is and believes and stands for? Well, yeah. clearly, we have in our 90 years, 91 years, this is the first time we've actually had this conversation. Um, We have explored different statements of faith. We've talked about God in a variety of different ways. If you look at our current Song of Faith, which was approved in 2006, there are a pile of images about what God could be. Um, But we have never had a theological standard that every clergy person needs to adhere to, and that has now been set, and that has changed the nature of the United Church and I don't think in a good way clearly I don't think it's a good way um, but it has made a Trinitarian God the standard for all clergy which means that you have to believe that God is three in one that, that Jesus is God that the Holy Spirit is an aspect of God um, and you have to be able to use that language Father, Son and Holy Spirit without an issue so that's a new standard the United Church has been a non-credal church up until now and that would make it a creedal church
0: Okay, because uh, anyone here can go to the United Church of Canada's website. There's an entire section that says what we believe. Yep. Do you not feel that you're in conflict with that?
1: Well, it's, it's so easy to understand why this is a problem. Because we have not been very good about telling people who we are. When we, when we were formed in 1925, there were already two tracks of understandings about God. There was the, a the conversation you could have if you were studying theology, which was a rich conversation, which explored the idea that Jesus was not divine, but was a, was a real person with a bunch of people who imbued him with meaning and his stories with meaning, uh, and even made up stories about him after, long after he died. And people were exploring that back in the early 20th century and the late 19th century. But we weren't transferring that to the pews. We were still having a very pastoral understanding of a loving, caring God who would answer prayers, who would reunite us with the people that we loved after we died. That was the God that we talked about when we spoke to people in the pews. We knew there was that, that difference. We knew that those were two different tracks. It was spoken about clearly in in theological uh, magazines and articles at the time, and we never never intentionally brought people in the pews up to speed. In the 1970s and 1980s, we started uh, working on that. Um, Scholars started publishing books about that conversation, which had gone on for decades, and people in the pews got... a lot of them started studying that. The congregation... I'm at, had a book study for 15 years before I got there. They, pretty, they were pretty much up to speed on contemporary theology when I, when I arrived. But many have said that in order to retain our identity as a Christian uh, people, we need to use exclusively Christian language in order to talk about these ideas. So though my idea or your idea or someone else's idea of God They all may be far beyond what our parents thought that idea was or our parents before them. Even though our ideas are very different and they're very, very uh, progressive or um, enlightened by contemporary critical scholarship, we're still going to use the word God because that gives us an identity. And we're going to still, even though there are thousands of people who have, spoken in the same kind of way and asked for the same kind of um, commitment to justice and love as Jesus is purported to have, we're going to focus on Jesus because that gives us an identity, right? So, so we, have, we have essentially, in doing that, unfortunately, we have in some congregations that are very literate when it comes to contemporary understandings of God— Uh, and contemporary understandings of Jesus, but that language that they use excludes them from people outside. So they've taken what I refer to as the chasm between the pulpit and the pew, and they've they've filled that up, and now everybody's on the same page. And you know that I know that when I say Jesus is Lord, I don't mean Jesus is Lord. I mean something more like we need to engage the system and make sure that it's compassionate to everyone. You know that, I know that, because I preached on that two Sundays ago, or whatever, Um, I'm just, you know, I didn't, I'm just making that (laughs) up. But if somebody came into the church and sat down in the pew and heard me say Jesus is Lord, they'd think I meant Jesus is Lord. So I'm simply saying, it's time, 90 years later, for us to actually talk about how we want to live, and how our tradition has implored us to live. And we don't need to do it with the language that identifies us exclusively as Christian because we live in communities that desperately need to be able to have those conversations, to find places where they can be spiritually nurtured and inspired without dogmatic belief.
0: Okay, well, all right, so it seems to me, and someone texted to say, well, why doesn't she just start her own church, which seems actually like a a logical question that if if you're being constrained in any way by the United Church, why do you need the United Church brand behind you?
1: Okay. I, yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I did this work for 15 years before the United Church started saying, wait a minute, we have some problems with this. So the United Church uh, was very comfortable with my work um, for, for a lot of the time that we've been doing this. Uh, and I felt con- felt quite comfortable doing it in the United Church because the United Church is the most progressive church in the, in the world, I think and the one that is most likely to say okay it's true we have been teaching our clergy low these many decades that the bible is not the authoritative word of god for all time that's what we've been teaching them and we've been inviting them to engage with that bible with all kinds of critical tools so if they said that then that would sort of break that wall and we would be able to talk to people outside. So my work, I felt, was really inviting the church to continue moving in the direction that it had always been moving, but to open itself to a new demographic. So, that, so I was really wanting to do that. Since this review process has happened, and the question comes, why don't I just start my own church, um, my loyalty to the United Church is still there. You know, they raised me, they taught me, they have... Nurtured me, and I and I feel compelled to support the United Church. If the United Church is no longer the church that I have believed it has been throughout my entire life, then I said to the Sub-Executive Committee of Toronto Conference, then I I have no interest in being a minister in that church. So if you're going to prove to me by making this theological standard, which none of us have ever been held to before if you're going to argue that that's who the United Church is now, that's not my United Church, and I will leave.
0: All right, well, we'll see what uh, what happens now going forward. Uh, Greta, we got to leave it there. Uh, people Absolutely. can visit your website. It's GretaVosper.ca and that's uh, Greta with two Ts, if people wish to, to read more of your thoughts and your writings. But uh, thanks for making some time for us here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. All right, take care. Greta Vosper. Uh, as of now, still a minister in the United Church and uh, presiding over her congregation in Toronto. Uh, 974-8255. we got to take a quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.